0: A murderer is accidentally transferred to the wrong cell unit. And then, the expected happens. And then we take a look at a bizarre story that's currently going viral in Latin America. Is it possible that two young kids saw something so insane their brains immediately broke? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really do. I really mean that. This show is nice for me to do during this time because, you know, everyone's just kind of locked up. Yes, I probably could play Minecraft eight hours a day or State of Decay 2 or any of these other games that I have. But it's nice to have something to do, a function. I think the, I think humans require work. I think it's kind of built into who we are and yeah yeah so i'm really glad that you guys are listening to this show i hope i can be part of your day cheer you up a little bit for 30 minutes 45 minutes the episodes have gotten longer recently i want to give a shout out to one of our legacy patreons ash black ash black thank you so much for supporting the patreon he's actually the artist behind the dead rabbit logo the red and black iconic dead rabbit logo he came up with that one night listening to the podcast on 4chan i had an earlier logo and that's the one he made and i would consider him one of the earliest supporters patreon or not of dead rabbit radio i really really appreciate that smart guy he's had a lot of really cool projects um really really cool guy i'll see if i i'll see what he's up to now and see if there's anything i can plug for him also if you can't support the patreon that's fine too i totally understand financial reasons or uh, you live in a country that doesn't do paypal or you don't like paypal you don't like stuff that they've done in the past totally understand that You can support the show simply by getting the word out about the show. That helps a lot as well. Just talk to people about the show, recommend it. That means a lot as well. Also, I don't do this often, but I made a movie suggestion yesterday for Dead Rabbits Movie Club. Friday night, 7 p.m. We're going to do a live stream on YouTube talking about movies. I apologize for the movie I picked last night. I had never seen it before. Uh, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball ball o We will discuss it. We will discuss it. Um, yes. But you know what? I figured I'm just gonna double down. I'm gonna double down because tonight's movie... Th- last night's movie was bad if you didn't watch it. <laughs> last week we had a lot of good movies. This week Housewife was really good. Slimeball bull was not very good. I'm gonna double down. I'm going to go with tonight's selection. This is on Shudder.com. You can find it other places, but... Shutter.com currently has a promo. If you use the promo code SHUTIN, S-H-U-T-I-N, you get 30 days for free on Shudder.com. I'm not sponsored by them in any sort of way. I'm just using the service myself. The Baby. The Baby. It's a 1970s horror movie. I've never seen it. Again, I'm shooting blind here. I've never seen it. It's about a woman who gets hired to take care of an adult baby. That's all I know about it. The the description, that's pretty much the description on Shudder.com. They say it's really insane, even by nineteen seventy standards. So let's do it. The Baby. (laughs) Let's watch The Baby tonight. It's a classic 70s horror movie. Never seen it. The cover is just a woman going, (gasps) Oh! And then like a giant feet sitting out of a baby crib. I really don't know what to expect, honestly. So we'll watch them. And then I'll try to watch, I'll try to figure out some actual, possibly good ones we can watch later in the week. I know what we're going to watch for Friday. That's a surprise. But anyways, let's get started with the episode here. So Ash Black, we're actually not using a vehicle this first story. This first story, we're under arrest. Oh, getting our hands cuffed. BAM! On the cop car. I didn't do nothing, officer. What are you doing, man? I didn't do anything, officer. Those jewels, I, they were with me when I found them. And that that, that jewelry store, that glass was broken. It's uh, uh, coincidence, man. Synchronicity. So we get dragged downtown. We get processed, fingerprinted, mug shots. Turn to the left. Doing all that stuff, right? I've seen a lot of shows. I always thought, oh, I could totally do jail, right? Like, if I was thrown in jail... Keep to myself, I could totally, I've been here, locked in here, my apartment, the luxury of my apartment, for 30 days, I'm crawling out of my skin. These wounds, they will not heal. I cannot imagine what I would be doing in jail. Maybe in jail, there's more of a social aspect, unless you're in solitary, but I always figured out, man, if someone threw me in jail for like three years, six years, whatever, I could do that, depending on the jail. California jails, not so much. Oregon jails, I could probably, probably get away with that. But anyways, I'm not planning on going to jail or prison. But as I'm I'm saying that rant right in front of a correctional officer and he's like shaking his head. He's like, you're not going to survive in prison, boy. I'm like, ah! We both get thrown into general population. And that is where we meet Jonathan Watson. We're at the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility and State Prison in Corican, California. Now, you like how they have the first, the nice part of the beginning Oh, I'm going to the California Substance Abuse Treatment Facility? That's not too bad. But then the second part of that is state prison. State prison in Cork in California. This story took place on January 16th, 2020. And while we're walking around General Pop, we meet Jonathan Watson. He's 41 years old. Now, we are all, like, we 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 robbed a jewelry store, right? So that's that's kind of a cool crime. Nothing to be ashamed about. You should be ashamed that you got caught. But, you know, stealing jewels, that's kind of cool. That's something like... The Beagle Boys do. So that's like a cartoon crime, basically. So we're walking around, and we see Jonathan Watson coming. Now, he's not supposed to be here. Because where we're at is kind of low, not super low level offenders. We're on level two. So you have level one, which is drunks and stuff like that. Really, really, uh, that would basically be your white-collar criminal. Level two, thieves, junkies, stuff like that and worse. We'll get to that in a second. But level three is where you put murderers. You keep them, they're violent offenders. You keep them away from everyone else. Jonathan Watson's supposed to be in level three because he's a violent murderer and he has life in prison. But there was a little, someone Someone was on their computer and they're like playing Mahjong in between typing in sentencing guidelines and they accidentally shifted him. It was a, it was a snafu. Everyone admits this was a snafu. They shifted him from level three to level two. So one day, Jonathan's sitting on his cot, and uh, the gate opens up, shh, and they're like, okay, get your stuff, we're going to level two. What? I don't I don't think so. What? you telling me what to do? Uh, no, no, fine, fine, I'll go to level two. Like, I know it's much more cushy down there. The whole time, Jonathan's thinking, this doesn't seem right. Like, I know me. I know me. I'm a murderer. I should be on level three, but anyways, you know what you're going to do? He goes down to level two. He has a single man cell. And then they open up into like this big kind of dorm room area. One day he's sitting. he's not there for very long. And he's sitting in the common room. And this new inmate walks in. And everyone gets a little uneasy. Because they know his sheet. They know what he's in there for. Aggravated sexual assault of a child under the age of 14. Nobody likes this guy, right? Nobody wants to have anything to do with this guy. But everyone's a low-level offender. So you're going to have child molesters and stuff like that. In a lot of times they'll be in protective custody, which is basically you're just locked in your cell the whole time. Or you'll be sent to a sexual assault prison, where it's just you and all your gross compadres, which is a bad idea, because then they just kind of network. But this one, like, what's a jewel thief? We may be tempted to beat this dude up, but really in reality, like, people who are in there they're facing five years because they got caught with some drugs or because they, you know, pushed over a vending machine and crushed someone's leg, something like that. They're just going to do their time. They think the guy's disgusting, but what are you going to do, right? Because if they kill him, then they're looking to go into level three. They're going to be there for the rest of their life. So anyways, they don't know, though, and this new inmate doesn't know, that Jonathan is not a low-level offender. But Jonathan also is thinking, you know, I'm at level two. Let's see if I can make this work. This guy walks in. We don't know his name. We don't know this guy's name, but he walks in, picks up the remote. There's just television going on, watching whatever. Picks up the remote, changes the channel to PBS Kids. Sits down and starts watching kids' television. Everyone just kind of looks at each other like, what? Jonathan Watson, he did an interview after this. He has this quote about what happened that night. He says, quote, I could not sleep having not done what every instinct told me I should have done right there and then. So I packed all of my things because I knew one way or another the situation would be resolved the following day. Next day, Jonathan goes to his counselor and says, I'm going to kill this dude. I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. Counselor totally ignores him, doesn't believe him. Which I'm sure they hear a lot, but again, this guy is in prison for murdering somebody. Counselor doesn't blows him up, doesn't believe him. Two hours after he talks to the counselor, he's sitting in the common room. The molester dude walks back in, picks up the remote, turns it to PBS Kids. At that point, somebody says, they're looking around and somebody actually says, is this guy really going to watch this in front of us? And Jonathan said, quote, I got this. He gets up. There's an inmate sitting around. He had a cane. He you know, needs a cane. He's an old man. And so Jonathan gets up, walks over to the guy with the cane, grabs it, and proceeds to beat the man to death in front of everybody. Everyone's freaking out. Because even though it's prison, you don't often see people just get murdered while they're watching television. Yeah, that's what you see in Oz. And it does happen in certain prisons, but it's not... It doesn't happen all the time. You could go a good, you could go and do three, five years in prison and never see that level of violence. Again, this was this was lower security, right? This was not where all the murderers are supposed to be. This is where the jewel thieves are. So we're (laughs) sitting there, still got some jewels hidden in our pockets, and we're super nervous as this dude is bashing this guy's head in with a cane. This dude's dead. Jonathan's kind of standing there, everyone is like, whoa, whoa, like, you, you have mixed feelings, because one, this guy was definitely flaunting his sickness, he definitely had some disgusting habits, and sat down, and was watching the show, making everyone else watch it, but on the other hand, you just watched a human get his brain smashed out, right, so everyone's like, locking themselves in their own cell, Jonathan's standing there, and he's waiting for the alarms to go off. he's waiting for the guards to come rushing out, nothing, dead silence, Okay, I'll go turn myself in. Because again, he knows he has a problem. Unlike the child molester. The child molester wasn't told. It's not like this. This the killer was sitting down and watching Saw 4. But the child molester was watching PBS Kids. So he goes, that's done. I should have done it last night, but I didn't. I'm going to go turn myself in. And he's walking to where he knows a guard's at. And as he's walking, he sees this other prisoner coming, who he describes as a known child trafficker. And he thinks to himself, quote, this was his quote, in for a penny, in for a pound, and murders him with the same cane. Beats him to death, right there. And then he walks to the guard and goes, hey, I just murdered murdered two people, both child molesters. You really should put me back on level three. Guard doesn't believe him. He's like, no, no, I'm not joking with you. Like, I shouldn't have been down here in the first place, kind of glad I am, because they're both disgusting, but they're both dead. And so you should get me to level three. And the guard was like, oh, come on, Jonathan. I know you're just joking. And then the guard slightly turns the corner and sees one body there. Locked Lockdown. And they did. They ended up having to shut everything down and get him back up to level three. And he said um, this. And he does. He's totally fine. He's back in there. He's already serving life in prison. He really didn't see a problem with it. And this the article ended with this quote. This was an interview he did with the newspaper. The article ended with this quote. Being a lifer, I'm in a unique position where I sometimes have access to these people, and I have so little to lose. And trust me, we get it. These people are every parent's worst nightmare. So a simple tale of vigilante justice. I'm sure that Jonathan thinks that that in the end, in the cosmic end, that wasn't an error that moved him from level three to level two. That Those two people needed to be taken off the playing board. And that little clerical error that moved him down one floor allowed him to purge the planet of people who... I mean, that, that's pretty gross. The fact that you're engaging that activity and then you go to prison and then you're like mocking... The other prisoners, you, they know what you're in there. You know what I mean? Like, that makes it, like, that's a guy who's an actual, like, disgusting human being. And then anyone who traffics children as well. Like, come on, that's gross. The whole thing's gross. So, Jonathan, you have your, I, I don't think they let him keep the cane, but if they did. I'm actually 100% positive they didn't let him keep the cane. They're like, oh, you can keep that murder up. And I'm sure that he looks back on it and and believes that he was meant to do that. And to save those parents some future grief if those guys ever got out. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story is really bizarre. So, Ash Black, fire up that carpenter copter. We're going to bribe the guards with our jewels. We're going to fly out of this prison. And we're flying off to Mexico. Now, this next story was a recommendation from a listener known as Thomas. Thank you so much, Thomas, for sending me the story. He sent it to me via email. And he said this is a creepypasta that's really going viral in Latin America right now. Let's take a look at this one. This is a weird one. Let's take a look at this. Three years ago, somewhere in Mexico. Now, generally when stuff is that vague, it makes us suspicious. But let's just keep going here. We don't have any names either, which is also makes everything very vague, almost like an urban legend. So let's call the main character Thomas. <laughs> let's call the main character Thomas. Thomas and his two cousins, one older and one younger, are going to a soccer game with Thomas's uncle. They drive out. They have a good time watching the soccer game. Yay! The game lasted three hours, and there was two goals made. It was a tie. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Woo! Best sport ever. Yeah! And as everyone, when they're driving back, and they're realizing that sport is lame, they get back to the uncle's house. Now, Thomas is sitting in the car. And his older cousin and his younger cousin. Let's call him... The younger one, we'll call him Billy. And the older one, we'll call Jake. I know, there's really traditional Hispanic names, right? Billy's the little one and Jake's the older one. Billy and Jake run inside their house. Thomas is sitting in the car. And his uncle and his father are just out talking. Hey, man, did you see the game? Yeah, it was really boring. I-, I mean, super exciting. I'm totally into soccer. Yeah, m- me too. The uncle shifts his eyes from side to side. And then they hear... A horrible screaming coming from inside the house. Something not like I saw a spider screaming, but a screaming on the level of, I'm being flayed alive. A torturous scream. A scream that comes from inside your belly. I think there's nothing scarier than the sound of a man screaming. Because I think through horror movies, and I think even just when girls get like excited, they'll scream... You get desensitized to the sound of a woman screaming, but if you've ever heard a man scream, it's terrifying. Like a man actually scream, it's it's gut wrenching because you never hear it, you never really hear it. Even in movies, it's very rare. You we've become desensitized. There's a term called scream queen because we're so used to women screaming in movies. And again, oh my god, oh my god, oh, and they're scr- like a girl gets excited, she'll scream. But when you hear a man scream, it's... Think about the times. Think about the times you've heard a man scream in real life. You're, it's it, always something has really gone south. I'm not talking about a boy or a kid. I'm talking about a man. But these were boys. But that was just a side thing. So anyways, Jake and Billy are in the house. And they're just screaming. Not out of excitement. Almost not even out of fear, but out of pain. The uncle, the dad, and Thomas run from the car, run inside the house. And they see Billy underneath the kitchen table, sobbing uncontrollably. But that's not the main source of the torturous cries. They see Jake convulsing, his body tensing up and making grotesque movements. As a tortured look sits on his face, and horrible deep screams are coming out of him. They think he's having a seizure, and and little Billy's freaking out because of him. The adults grab Jake, hold him down. Thomas is just standing there watching the whole thing. They try to hold Jake down. They try to get his limbs to relax, but he's just contorting his body in fear. They put a rag in his mouth. They think he's having a seizure. They think he's going to swallow his tongue. and muffles his yelling, but it's still there. And Billy's just sobbing, sobbing underneath the table. Everything else in the kitchen is normal. A normal kitchen, except for the two kids flipping out in it. They can't get Jake to stop convulsing. So they pick him up. They put him in a chair. And they tie him to the chair. Which is kind of odd, right? Because you don't, still at this point, don't know if it's a medical emergency or not. But they're afraid he's going to injure himself. His whole body is just... <gasps> having a fit. They tie him to the chair. At the same time, they're still trying to figure out what's going on. Now, they ask Billy, what's going on? What, what's, why, is, why is Jake acting like this? Why is Jake acting like this? And Billy is just sobbing. Sobbing. Now, as he's tied down, Jake is starting, his movements are restricted now, so he actually does seem to be calming down, which must have an effect on Billy, because he's starting to able to say what happened. Billy tells this story. Billy says that him and Jake both walked into the house, talking about soccer, all of that stuff. They walk into the kitchen. And their family dog is in the kitchen. It's sitting on the kitchen chair. There's a bowl of cereal in front of the dog on the kitchen table. The dog has a spoon. He's holding it with his paw. And he scoops it into the cereal. Takes a bite. The two kids stand there for a second, stunned. And the dog, holding the spoon, dips it back into the cereal, takes it to its mouth, takes a bite. The adults are like, Whoa, wait, wait, what? That's it? The dog was eating cereal with a spoon? Your dog was eating cereal with a spoon? But before Billy can answer this, Jake begins to convulse again and begins screaming even though his mouth is muffled, it's like he was seeing it all over again. So at this point, they call the ambulance, because now he's fully convulsing, even though he's tied down. They call him the ambulance. Ambulance comes out there, take him to the hospital. What they say is that he appears to have some sort of breakdown. Physically, he's fine. He's not having a heart attack. He's not having a seizure. But he must have seen something. And the adults at the hospital are like, well... I mean, the Billy the Youngest is saying that he saw a dog eating cereal with a spoon. Doctors are like, well, <laughs> we, we're we not going to say. We just know that this boy is having some sort of nervous breakdown. Um, we can treat him here. But if it doesn't get better, he's going to start needing therapy. And he does. Jake has to start going to therapy. Normally, a very healthy young man is now going to therapy. And the parents keep asking Billy, what happened? What'd you see? And Billy goes, we walked in and we saw our dog eating cereal with a spoon. And he just kept eating it. And then the next thing I was crying and Jake was freaking out. Can you draw us a picture of what you saw? Yeah, I can. Billy sits down, draws a picture. Of the family dog with a spoon eating cereal. After that night, the family dog was never seen again. And to this day, Jake is still going to see a therapist to try to get over what he saw in the kitchen that day. It's an interesting story. It's And what's interesting about it is, if I had approached it like this, if I had said in my intro, today on Dead Rabbit Radio, a man sees a dog eating cereal with a spoon, and his mind... it, it Depending on how the story is told is how it affects you, I believe. Thomas said, for whatever reason, Thomas goes, listen, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe any of this stuff. I find it interesting. I love your show. You're so awesome. You're so handsome. I love you so much. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. He didn't say that last stuff, but he meant to say that last stuff. He said, he goes, I'm a skeptic about a lot of stuff, but for whatever reason, this story creeps me out. It's funny because I read it. I read his version of it. He thankfully translated it for me and sent me a link where it's also being posted on Facebook. The translation's a little rough there. So thank you, Thomas. Definitely when people send me stuff from other languages, it always helps to get a translation or your version of the story. But as I read it, I read it a couple times. It is something chilling about it, and I think it's chilling on a couple levels. One, it's so mundane. We talk about Cthulhu and the old gods. People seeing things, looking into the pit, that drives them into madness. And that's fine on a literary level. H.P. Lovecraft can end a story with, And then he looked in the closet and all things were all. Oh man, he went insane. He saw something so dark. Yeah, that's fine. And it's interesting. I'm not knocking the works of Lovecraft. But... A dog eating cereal with a spoon would break your brain as well. Like something that mundane to me is actually more terrifying. And again, it wasn't like the dog was moving it with his nose. The dog picked up a spoon, which is impossible, right? Right there, if you saw a dog holding a spoon, that's impossible without some sort of tape or some sort of gimmick or something like that. A dog picking up a spoon and then putting it into the cereal and then scooping it into their mouth. and eat, That would break your brain. Because you're seeing something that you know 100% isn't possible. Now, ghosts. You may not believe in ghosts. But we've been told since we were children that ghosts exist. We have an entire holiday based around ghosts and goblins and ghouls and stuff like that. So if you woke up in the middle of the night and there was someone standing at the foot of your bed. In a dark cloak with green glowing eyes. You would go, oh my god, I saw a ghost. Or I saw something, or I don't know what I saw. It was a trick of the light, whatever. But your brain can process that. Because you've been told that that is possible in some way or another. Or again, if you don't believe in it, you can be... You can, your brain will process it as it's a trick of the light. But if you walked into your living room and it's broad daylight. And you saw an armadillo smoking a pipe... And putting a puzzle together. No, you know what? Even an armadillo is too exotic. If you walked into your house, if you saw a dog smoking a pipe and doing a puzzle, and then it just looked and just looks at you, and then goes back to putting the puzzle in the right pieces, it would break your brain. It what makes this story scary is it's the mundane aspect of it. It was their dog, at their kitchen table, in their house. The only thing that didn't make sense was the movements it was making and the instinct it had to lift the cereal to its mouth. It's an oddly disturbing story. It's an oddly disturbing story because it's so mundane. And I can see why it's catching fire. I can see why it's going viral. Because it's a well-told story. Even though we don't... I like... Me, being me, I like to have names and places and stuff like that so I can verify things. But that's not a necessity for everything, especially for campfire stories. It rarely is. But um, and I think that's what th- this is more of like a viral, creepy pasta campfire story type of thing. But it's one of those stories that I don't necessarily think I could. I think that it could be true in this sense. Not that there's a couple different things. One, they could have walked in. The dog could have been eating cereal. But that's actually the least likely scenario, right? you could have had a whole host of paranormal phenomena. We're we're assuming the narrative's true, because again, most likely it's a creepypasta. Someone wrote a really cool short horror story, and it's catching fire. But let's assume that it's true for a second. Any host of paranormal phenomenon could have taken place. We've talked about this before, where alien abductions will disguise themselves as roadwork. So your car stops, and you're waiting for, like, some signal that you can go. There's just roadwork signs everywhere, and, you're there for a couple minutes, and you turn around, and then eight years later, you get hypnotized, and you realize while you were there, aliens showed up. We've discussed stories like that before, so you could have any sort of paranormal phenomenon going on. And how their brain perceived it, their brain made sense of it the best way they could have. It, they could have not walked in and seen a dog eating cereal. They could have walked in and seen their dog being abducted by an alien. But their brains can't process that. So instead, it creates an image of the dog eating cereal, which is still a mind-boggling, bizarre image. It's impossible. But see, it's funny because aliens abducting dogs, that is possible because we've seen that happen in movies. We know what an alien looks like. We know what these things are. I've talked about this on shows before. Can you imagine something you could never imagine? That's what this would be. And even then, it was put in a way that a human could comprehend it. We know what dogs are. We know what eating cereal is. They shouldn't be able to do it with a spoon, but our brain is combining those two things. It is creepy. And Thomas, thank you for the recommendation. It definitely is a creepy story. And it's creepy because it's plausible in one aspect. And it's so mundane. So mundane. Which I really, really enjoy about it. If the story was they walked into their kitchen and they saw the ethereal portal and they saw horrors beyond horror in the alternate realms when they opened their fridge, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But that you would be expected to go insane if you saw the butthole of Cthulhu. Like you would be shocked if someone didn't go insane. But be going insane because you saw the real life equivalent of dog playing poker, that's that's bizarre. That's bizarre. It doesn't always have to be super extreme. And that's a lot of times where conspiracy theories and ghost stories and alien stories fail. They try to go too broad, too dark, too deep. Sometimes it's the innocent things that creep us out. Creepy isn't bouncing around in your bed as there's a ghost underneath it lifting it up. Creepy is you being up late one night and you hear the creak of the floorboard above you. And you know there's no one up at this time of the night. Creepiness is the edge. Once your door gets kicked in, you're fight or flight at that point. The game has been set. And you can do something about it. But when you're just hearing the footsteps walk up the porch. And then utter silence for seconds. Minutes. But you're sure someone is standing outside your door. That is creepy. That's where the tension lies. So the next time you're sitting at home... And you hear something... In another room... Maybe you should just stay where you're at. Maybe you should let that noise be. Maybe you should turn the TV up a little bit louder... Or just simply turn the page of the book you're reading. Because while that noise may be nothing. That noise may be something. Something impossible. And unless you're willing to risk your sanity. For the sake of your curiosity. Just leave the noise in the dark room alone. You may be better off because of it dead rabbit radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash dead rabbit radio twitter is at dead rabbit radio dead rabbit radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one be safe be kind i love you guys and i'll see you tomorrow